TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. As we get rolling here for a Tuesday edition of the show, we're all very relieved we don't have to work five days in a row because that took a lot out of us last week. We were all exhausted. Thank God we had the three-day weekend. Fred, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, maybe I should have started with Sue. Sue, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. We all made it back here, and um, I don't know about you two. Well, I do know about you two because you don't have children that go to school. We got a call last night about 7 o'clock from the Rockwood School District, and I think every school district pretty much. I don't know about the private schools. Sue, did you have a sense this morning if the, the Catholic schools closed down as well? I did not. The traffic was bad this morning, so... That's you mean okay. it was bad from the weather, from ice, from, from stuff yeah, like that? It really was. Okay, all right. Yeah, well. I saw an accident this morning on my way to work, right close to City Hall. Somebody just you, plowed into the back end of somebody. Well, I, like, uh, I asked the, the principal, um, Dr. Starnes, at Stanton, where my daughter goes a week ago. I'm like, hey, have you looked at the forecast for next week? And this is when we weren't really talking about a lot of snow. And I think she said that in her 21 years at Rockwood, they only canceled one time for cold weather. But I think this was just a little bit more than the cold. I mean, you did have snow that fell. You had ice. The chemicals don't work as well Correct. when it's that this cold. It. The buses can't get around if right. they're slipping and sliding. So I guess I understand that. But that did present me with some added challenges this morning to try to keep an eight-year-old somewhat occupied. And you know what we did? And I don't recommend this, really, but oh, we, we decided to do it. Well, she she starts throwing out all these ideas. She's like, well, we can go to Sky Zone. I'm like, oh, I don't really like Sky Zone. You know, you, oh, you know, yeah. do the trampolines and stuff sure. like that. And there's this place in Fenton that's called Swing Around Fun, Fun Town. Town. And they have mainly their stuff outdoors, like go-karts, but they also have an arcade. So we went out to Chesterfield. We went to Main Event, which is... Um, you even said it's like Dave and Buster's, right. Fred, right? I sent Fred a picture of Alexa playing the games. But, man, that's a scam. You pay so much. You get on this card. You go start playing the arcade games. They grab all your money. You get some points. Like, you get points toward whatever little stupid prize you want to buy. Stupid being the keyword. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You go to a little store. They had they had some things that were relatively cool. Like, um, there was even some headphones, stuff like that. But you need 20,000 But 20, you needed 25,000 oh, right. tickets. That is hilarious. Or something along those lines. So we went out there. We played... Um, well, I, I played a couple of things that I knew how to do. I mean, my daughter seemingly was better at this stuff than, than I was. But hopefully everyone got by. The weather, uh, it, it really wasn't... I mean, I... I rarely stay in a complete day and don't go out but i think it was sunday i never went out the whole day on sunday and didn't deal with anything never drove the car you know just kind of stayed inside now i don't know if i did not shovel any snow because there's a little on the driveway fred did you have to shovel this weekend um this morning i just had to sweep the driveway but i have a dog luna who's very built low to the ground oh yeah she's just little i have to go out into the backyard 
and shovel a path so she can go out and go to the bathroom. That's very and come back sweet. In. So I shovel this, you know, elaborate circular path from the door to the door, <laughs> and I let her out. And she just cuts across, doesn't even use it, and runs straight into the yard Fred. and goes both That's ways, awesome. comes Fred. back, never used the path that, that is I hilarious. spent 15 minutes shoveling. But here's the thing. There wasn't that much snow, was there? No. I mean, in my yard, it was just a dusting. You just wanted yeah, to give but, her a course. Yeah, well, I tried her out in front, and she wouldn't walk because you hold, she holds her paws up like um, she's frozen. Yeah. So I have to carry her. So. Of course you do. Prima donna. You just carry her and have her, you know, just kind of hold her by the front um <laughs> Legs and just in see drag? if she'll, no, that's see not if she'll a good pee. Plan. I don't know what else to tell you. By the way, if you're tuning in here this afternoon, you might be wondering, hey, why isn't the host talking about the Iowa caucuses? Weren't those last night? Because I don't think I care about the Iowa caucuses because the whole thing is ridiculous. Nothing's changed. Nothing is going to change. I was oh. thinking about this last night, and I don't know who's with me here this afternoon. Sue, you might be with me. I might Fred, be. are you with me? Uh, I, I watched the caucus results last night. You, I know. I, I think some people did, but my invitation here, you, you could, I was going to extend an invitation to you, to Sue, to Abby, to anyone listening right now. Is there a way we could go away for like, I don't know, <laughs> 10 months? I'm thinking that's a good figure, right? All Ten, right. And maybe make a triumphant return to the show and to St. Louis next December or January when all this nonsense is done yeah. with. Because I, you know, this is what part of what I do for a living. I just sit here thinking to myself, am I really going to talk about Trump and Biden for the next eight months before this election? Where, you know, in, in some people, let me play Nikki Haley. All right, I'll segue into this stuff. <laughs> Nikki Haley says, well, you know, 70 percent of the people in this country, they don't want these two candidates. Well, that might be true, but it, it doesn't really matter. You've got 70% of Americans don't want to see a Trump-Biden rematch. The majority of Americans disapprove of both Trump and Biden. We need a new generational conservative leader. That's what Americans want. That's what they're yearning for. Apparently that's not what they want because that's not what they're yearning for. And Iowa is a unique process, but it's not like you can come out of Iowa and finish third like Nikki Haley and go on to New Hampshire and South Carolina and roll up the victories. It's simply not going to happen. I know there's a lot of people out there that we're hoping that maybe there is going to be something different. I still think there's plenty of Trump supporters that would peel off if it looked realistic that there was another candidate. I mean, DeSantis has been a major failure. How, I, I don't really understand how people at this point can even support either of these uh, other candidates in DeSantis or Haley. And I was one, if we are being honest, we go back a year, was hoping for some different results here. And we're just not getting them. So I guess this is where... The primary process is certainly different than the general election because maybe you could make a case that that Haley could win a general election and Trump can't. And and that's my concern, because what I'm mainly concerned about is winning, although the polling tells you right now that, you know, Biden's got a bigger issue. But let's not forget that the election is in November and it's not in February. Well, RFK, I find to be interesting, but uh, nobody talks about him either. And uh, I guess it why? Just because he's not a major party, because the Democrats have kind of ousted him. I, I don't get it. Well, I think that he might get more attention moving forward. There's really one of the reasons for him is there's no primary process. There's no Iowa caucuses. There's none of that where he can point to. It's all about, right. you know, being an independent in the general election um, when, when it. Here's what I'm mainly concerned about. And I've tried to communicate this over the years, really, and certainly over the past um, two years, since 22, I guess, year and a half, since the midterm elections, which turned into be a red trickle. And I think a lot of you are with me on this, and I don't know what we can do. I'm interested in helping the country 
Not me personally, but I'm I'm interested in someone being elected right. to the White House or to have a little bit more of a majority in the House, if that's possible, or maybe take back the um, majority in the in the Senate and actually make some changes that will affect the country in a positive way. I don't know. Here's an idea. This isn't too complicated. Let's stop millions of illegals from streaming over the border. I I heard there was a. Fred, I think I told you this when I was driving in. Every once in a while, when I'm driving, I'm monitoring oh, yeah. and I listen to Fox News. And they go into a commercial. And sometimes the commercials are timed out exactly like CNN. But I got the CNN button right next to Fox. So I turn on, I think it was Brianna Keeler, her annoying voice that I heard today. And she was talking with someone who was a Republican. I didn't even know who it was. But it was a member of Congress who was talking about some of this stuff with immigration. And she was just, I'd love to hear some of these CNN people push back on um You know, Democrats, as hard as they do on Republicans, some of the questions seem legitimate, but she was just apoplectic in because he threw this stat out. Now, I I, I can't sit here and verify it 100 percent. But if you just think about the number of people that have come over the border in the past year, it's more than the population of a fair amount of states in this country. That is scary. Right. There are only about 11 states that have a bigger population than than what's happened with people streaming across the border. This isn't sustainable. Most of the American people, when I say most, I'm not talking just about Republicans. I'm talking about independents and Democrats. They know it's not sustainable. I used to think, I don't know if I, if I felt this way hardcore, but you know, when you hear allegations, ah, the Democrats are only doing this so they can you know, advance their causes and get more numbers. Well, how can you deny that at this point? I mean, there, there's only two things that could happen, that and then you ruin the country, and I think both are maybe happening at the same time. So uh, I, I think it's got to stop. So let me go back to the winning. Let me go back to winning. I, I'm not a Trump fan because of his behavior, right? But I've admitted that he did a lot more than most Republican presidents when he was in the White House. So if it takes Trump in the White House to turn things around I'm fine with that. I'm going to have to be fine with that. But I want to fast forward to Election Day and the day after election, because then what happens? What happens? Here's the other thing about the Trump folks, and I think you can say this about all political candidates. He thinks polling is a bunch of crap. Right? I like the polling. Don't believe the polls. Don't believe the polls. Unless I'm leading by 10 points, then you believe the polls, right? right. So they all talk out, out of both sides of their mouth. I, I understand that. It's not just Trump that has some sort of monopoly on that. But the polls may show that here in January, February of 2024. What's going to happen after felony conviction, after this trial? After, I mean, they're going to go after him, the Democrats, so hard. Let me offer you an example of that because they'll, in, you know, when it comes to RFK, Sue, I think I might have a philosophy that if it looks like he's going to put the dent in the possibility of Trump getting to the White House again, I think they're going to give him a lot of attention. Good. Um, at least that's my my sense. Here, a couple of things from last night. Here's Rachel Maddow just melting down here. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is... Of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform 
to remarks by former President Trump. I love this. I love the rationale here because you got KJP that goes in the briefing room all the time. The president says things that are complete nonsense. Certainly the vice president does. But they're going to make sure that Trump doesn't say anything that you can't fact check on the spot. And that's her responsibility at MSNBC. Not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision, but there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Oh, my God. Oh, it's oh unreal. my God. What is the untruth there? Oh the fact my that he won? God. I mean, none of that makes sense. Now, I don't know if I have time. Do we, do, do we have some at 345 here? Uh, no. I think I'm going to keep this for then because we got Josh Hammer coming up here. But I have – last week I had Julie Kelly on. Was it last week or maybe two weeks two ago? Weeks ago. We had Julie Kelly on, and she was exposing this unbelievable story from Michigan in the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, which was nothing like the media sold to you a few years ago. And if you want some evidence that the – the Justice Department, the FBI, has gone way too far when it comes to entrapment, et cetera. You're going to find it in that particular case. It's stunning that, well, maybe it's not, that most of the legacy media has not covered that particular story. But there is now, I think people are going to remember this because it happened only a couple of uh, months ago in the aftermath of what happened in Gaza with uh, October 7th. Remember the shooting that took place in Burlington, Vermont? Sue, you remember that one? You got a guy Wait, that um, yeah. shot three people. There were three guys. And the reason was because they are Palestinian, right? So that, but when you hear the details, that's the way it was sold yeah, to us. That right. When you hear the details of what really happened, and this is my one of you know one of my criticisms of uh, mainstream media is they never correct anything. You know, they let this stuff get out there, and then Just when the hang. real facts come in, nobody ever knows what the real difference is. So I want to I want to get to that. I want to circle back on that here. And just a little bit because it's going to take a little time and we got Josh coming up. Josh Hammer has a new radio show that's on 97.1 FM Talk on the weekends. He was also, and he's been a good friend of the show for many years now, he's the senior editor-at-large for Newsweek. His show airs Saturdays at 1 p.m. He'll have certainly some thoughts on the Iowa caucuses. And Josh lives down in Florida. He's been a big DeSantis supporter, so I'm very curious to hear what he has to say there. But he was also in Israel just uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we'll get with him and find out about that. David Ditch will be here in the next uh, hour. He is with the Heritage Foundation. We'll talk about some stuff that's going on with um, the nonsense that's getting shoved out of D.C. when it comes to the spending and the reckless spending, fiscal accountability. Kusumano's going to be here this afternoon because we did not have him yesterday. Hell of a football weekend, Fred. How about yeah, the Packers? Was. Oh, it, my that God. That was great. Oh. Unbelievable. Um, and then, really, James Fishback has done a great job of exposing some of this CRT and woke nonsense with high school debaters. So he's going to join us a little bit later as well. We're off and running here. It's a very, very cold Tuesday afternoon in St. Louis. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We'll have a uh, Tuesday afternoon edition of Sue's News coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Tomorrow afternoon, we, I thought Kilmeade was going to be here this afternoon. He had a reschedule for tomorrow, so he'll be with us for his weekly visit tomorrow afternoon. Josh Hammer, Newsweek Senior Editor-at-Large, host of The Josh Hammer Show. You hear it every Saturday now on 97.1 FM Talk at 1 p.m. Josh, how are you this afternoon? Mark, you know, it's a, there's a lot going on out there, but it's yes. always a pleasure to unpack it all with you, my friend. Well, I want to unpack some of the things that you learned when you went to Israel recently, but let's start with what happened last night. You have been uh, on the record as a supporter of Governor DeSantis. You live down there in Florida right now. Things did not go very well for DeSantis or Haley. I guess you can kind of crunch the numbers and, and look at this in a couple of different ways, but it doesn't look like either of those candidates is going to be able to put a dent in Trump. So reaction from Iowa last night, Josh. Yeah, it's an, un- it's an unmitigated disaster, Mark, for the Ron DeSantis campaign. I mean, th- there's just simply no avoiding that uncomfortable, perhaps even unsavory truth. I mean, the, the DeSantis campaign put virtually all of its eggshells into the Iowa basket. They got the endorsement of the wildly popular governor, Kim Reynolds. They got the endorsement of the evangelical leader there, Bob Vanderplatz, who has a massive statewide sprawling political operation to kind of get the people from the church pews out to, out to the caucus sites. They did the so-called full Grassley, where they went to all 99 counties. And then to kind of come up in, in a distant second by around 30 points, barely holding off Nikki Haley, who by all accounts is just a terrible fit for the Iowa electorate, it, it's just awful. And, you know, it's, it's not even remotely obvious what DeSantis' path forward is. You know, as a, as a Floridian, which you mentioned, Mark, I'm starting to wonder, you know, how much more he can withstand these wounds to, to his political capital and his standing on the national stage. He, he also, of course, is the governor of the nation's third largest state. He has overseen prolific legislative sessions, including the absolutely phenomenal session just last year. So they're getting started now in Tallahassee for another session just this month in January. And I think that I'm not alone in thinking, Mark, that's probably time for him to come back home and focus on what's happening here. Well, and the frustrating thing is, I think you're right about that. And you did a little wish list for um, 2024. And one of the things that topped your list is defeat Joe Biden in November. I said this at the opening of the show. My goal here is, and if it has to be Trump, I guess it has to be Trump. But I think it's pretty important. We always, I guess, maybe hyperbolically say, ah, it's the most important election of our lifetime. But I'd say given the, uh, you know, the framing of all these issues around uh, this election, it is one of the most important elections. So can you still beat Joe Biden with Donald Trump, Josh? That's the real question. The polling looks great on that right now. Biden is just a complete disaster, but they're going to go after him every single month, starting now until November. They'll try to do anything they can. You've seen what's happening in the courts. So where does this leave us for the day after Election Day? That's kind of what I'm curious about right now. You know, the Democrats are really what Andrew Breitbart would have called the Democrat media complex. They they have barely showed their hand thus far, I think, as to what is to come in the ensuing months right up until the November general election when it comes to Donald Trump. 
you have four federal indictments, 91 criminal accounts, all sorts of civil lawsuits in addition to that, this defamation suit that he's in New York City today with respect to. And then, of course, you have January 6th, which they are they're never going to let that go. I mean, Donald Trump's opponents will literally never let January 6th go until he dies. So in concrete terms, Mark, what that means is that over the next 10 months or so, right up until Election Day, they're, they're going to start increasingly absolutely carpet bombing the airwaves in cities and suburbs, trying to reach those swing state voters, those suburban moms, everyone they can just to remind them that the Republican nominee is facing 91 criminal accounts and that, that January 6th happened. And, you know, folks like you and me then can actually look at those counts and explain to the people, oh, you know, this is nonsense. This is that. This is that. But there's going to be such a, a deluge, I mean, such a oh, yeah. flood of these ads. And I, I just don't know that the RNC and the Trump campaign have the funds right now, frankly, to, to fight that fight. That is really what I'm worried about. But I personally, Mark, I mean, my stance on this has been remarkably clear. Yes, I, I have a strong preference for Ron DeSantis. I live in Florida. He's an amazing governor. But if and at this point, it seems like when Donald Trump is a nominee, I'm all in. I, I will be all in for him, certainly against Joe Biden, as you said. Every four years, it seems that the election just gets more and more important as we get further and further away from what this country was supposed to be, what it was founded as. And Republicans simply have to win this November. The stakes, I think, really are quite high. So tell me about Israel, Josh. We'll kind of move and segue into that. You uh, you made a trip here in the last few weeks, and I'm, I'm sure you had some amazing takeaways, both tragic and uplifting. Yeah, it was a really, really powerful trip. It was an emotionally searing trip. It was an emotional roller coaster, very high highs, very low lows. I got back there on Friday. I was there for a week. I was part of a small group delegation, primarily with a, a group called Young Jewish Conservatives. And, uh, you know, we did a lot. I mean, it was an, it was an action-packed week. We met with some lawmakers in the Knesset. That's, that's their parliament. I met with some, with some media figures, some journalists, some, some thought leaders there. And perhaps the di- most difficult day of the trip, Mark, is when we actually went down to to Gaza, or not literally to Gaza, but to the Gaza envelope, the communities right there that were hit, that were struck by Hamas on October 7th. We were there in Kafar Aza, a kibbutz, a small town, literally on the fence, literally on the border there, seeing the carnage. I, I, I'm not sure how to describe it into words. It, it's something I've never seen before, Mark. I mean, to, to, to see that raw level of evil in person. I mean, these these homes look like they've been bombed. There's mattresses, sofas, cooking utensils strewn all about the streets, all about the doors. They, there was one house where these, this couple was, was murdered, this young couple in their 20s, and they let us walk into the house. The family signed off on that. And, and just to see where these people were standing and sitting right before they were killed, I mean, it's, it's unspeakable stuff. But uh, before I go too far down that rabbit hole, my actual takeaway at the end, Mark, was actually the complete opposite of that, which was the, the Israeli people, the soldiers and civilians that I spoke with there, were so unified. They were so defiant, and they were so committed to singing and dancing their way out of this. I mean, that, that's really one of the things that I think has made the Jewish people remarkable for thousands of years, that despite all of our tragedies, all of the pogroms, the expulsions, the this and the that, we always find a way to come together and to try to look on the bright side and power our way through. And that was really visceral to me. So that, honestly, above all, Mark, was my biggest takeaway from the trip. So did you have a sense of what the Israeli people think here as far as where this is heading or in endgame? And, you know, one of the aspects of that would be U.S. support and whether or not it's wavering. I mean, you see a couple of different things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, which lead you to believe maybe the administration is not as uh, solidly behind Israel as they were, I don't know, even a month ago. Uh, it, it's hard to tell, though, with the media coverage. Any thoughts on that, Josh? 
So the people I spoke with there are mixed. So the Biden administration's rhetoric is clearly not anywhere near as supportive as it was in the first week or two after the war, which anyone with more than one brain cell could have easily foreseen, right? I mean, Biden is facing a, a close election, as you and I were just discussing. He's hemorrhaging Muslim, Muslim American Arab votes in crucial swing states like Michigan and Minnesota. So he's you know, he's speaking like he's going to start applying pressure on the Israelis to wind down this operation. Now, on the other hand, uh, some other people that I spoke with there, including conservatives who are no fans of Biden, they, they were quick to point out to me that the United States and, and specifically not just Congress, but the Biden administration using executive power is still making sure that that arms and other kinds of artillery and shipments are getting there to Israel. Israel has never faced a war of this length in its entire history. This is literally the longest war already that they've ever faced. And there's a, there's a shortage. I mean, there was, there was a weapons and arms shortage and ammunition shortage, tanks. So I think as long as the Biden administration is doing that, is letting that flow there, then most Israelis, most Israelis I spoke with, Mark, they're okay with him basically spouting off his mouth and saying whatever it is as long as the arms actually get there. The interesting thing, though, this is a big clash that could be coming up in the next month or two, is that the situation in the north with Lebanon, with Hezbollah, if that becomes a full-scale war unto itself. That, I think, is what the Israeli public feels is necessary right now. There are 100,000 people in the north evacuated from their homes. There was just a mother and son in the north who were murdered from Hezbollah a couple of days ago. They feel like that fight is necessary at this point to preserve their livelihood. The Biden administration, by contrast, I think would go above and beyond to try to force Netanyahu's hand. That, I think, is the battle that's going to come up. And I think you, you might have just answered my next question because the question was going to be, is there a story or a perspective that is perhaps prevalent in, in Israel that is not being talked about here or discussed here? That sounds like certainly that's one thing yep. that would qualify, right? Yep, uh, that's exactly what it is. So my two biggest my, my two biggest takeaways from this trip, honestly, one is what we were just talking about, how the people there, despite the tragedy, they, they are so unified. The country, which was torn apart last year from this domestic judicial reform, they are all on board with the mission there. There's really no disunity. And then the other big takeaway was, was Hezbollah. I, I really did not expect the unanimity with which the people there feel like this – Second front war with Hezbollah is basically already there. I mean, again, you have 100,000 people who have, who have been displaced from their homes for three months now. A lot of people are talking increasingly more about the north than the south. I, I don't feel like the Western media is doing a good enough job of reporting that aspect of this. The Biden administration certainly is trying to sweep it all under the rug as part of this, this broader flirtation that they still are doing with the Iranian regime, which, of course, is the puppet masters for Hezbollah. There in Lebanon. So that 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 is a huge situation there on the ground in Israel. I think that their security cabinet and officials are, are discussing what to do with Hezbollah virtually every day. And it's true. American media, I think, is not picking up on that. Josh Hammer, who is uh, with Newsweek with us this afternoon, uh, a great regular guest, Newsweek senior editor at large. Let me just kind of circle back to one topic that's not on the uh, Middle East or the election. Maybe it should be on the election, because I referred to this list that you came up with, sort of the um, you know, the wish list for 2024. Number two on that list is end America's drug overdose epidemic. And one of the points you make, and I think it's very valid here, is this is worse. This is deadlier than COVID ever was. And it's one of those things that we don't really talk about. I mean, there's no candidates that are talking about this in Iowa. I don't think maybe they are. I mean, talking about fentanyl, et cetera. But it doesn't seem like we have a focus on addressing that issue. Now, Josh, no easy answers. There's no doubt about it. But I think one of the reasons you include that in your list is because it has to be a priority. 
this is a topic that I am deeply passionate about. Uh, my, my cousin overdosed and died from, from fentanyl about six years ago or so. Um, it, it's been very personal to me for a long time now. And, you know, this, the statistics say it all. I mean, I think in, the, in that column that you're very gracious enough to cite, I think I mentioned that in 1992, so after 12 years of Reagan and then Bush presidential rule, you had the Nancy Reagan campaign, just say no to drugs. Right. This, is your, this is your brain on drugs. So in 1992, we had a, a very low watermark of 5,000 drug overdose deaths annually in the United States, which, by the way, is still far too many. But that number last year was around 110,000. I, I mean, you can do the math at home, but that is just an astronomical, monumental increase there. And it's not just fentanyl. There's all these new synthetic drugs that the Chinese typically are manufacturing over there. So it, it, it's essentially... What it really is, Mark, is an international chemical warfare campaign that typically originates in China, and then the Chinese launder it through the Mexican cartels in northern Mexico. By the way, oftentimes working hand-in-glove with Hezbollah itself, which has a massive footprint in Latin America. And it's all for the purpose of destroying, of murdering America's youths, of 18- to 35-year-old prominently young men, young blue-collar working-class men in the heartland who are dying of this terrible stuff. And I just think it's absurd that this country basically shut down for a year and a half, two years, however long it was, for a COVID virus that we now know was essentially barely, if anything, more lethal than the common flu, the influenza every year. Surely it's time for an all-of-the-above public information campaign, a border security campaign, everything on both the supply and the demand side that can possibly be done to stop this bleeding and to get this chemical warfare away from our children. I would love to see more of a focus on it. And obviously, you mentioned the border. That's one of the big problems right now. Josh, I'm glad you had a great trip to Israel. Thank Thank you so much for coming on here this afternoon. We will press forward in 2024. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. The Josh Hammer Show is on 97.1 FM Talk every Saturday, 1 p.m. Check it out. That's called a tease that makes me want to listen. I want to find out which Republicans want to get rid of the death penalty. I remain a strong death penalty proponent. It's um, the right punishment for certain crimes. Not for all crimes, but certainly for certain crimes, and I think it needs to be an option. By the way, I've, I've never, um, I've never, and I used to, this goes back 30 years, but I used to debate this issue uh, really? publicly on the death penalty, and I never argued that it was a deterrence. I think the, uh, the evidence on whether it deters crime is mixed, and probably you could argue that it doesn't work. I don't care if it is a deterrent. What I care about is that it's the proper punishment to remove someone from the planet who needs to be removed from the planet. Now, having said that, the only thing that makes me a little bit hesitant on that is you can make a case, and I've never been you know, a victim of crime in this sense. So someone takes something from you, let, let's say it's a murder, Sue, mm-hmm. all right? a family member, mother, father, whatever, spouse. Do you want that person removed from the planet with, uh, with a needle, or could you make the case that they would be probably Less more happy, miserable? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know where I stand on that issue. I'd have to really. Well, it's 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 obviously it's a tough issue, mm-hmm. but it's um, used in certain circumstances, and I think that you have to have the option. Missouri is one of those states where you have the option. There you go. All right. So, uh, President Trump and I've I've mentioned this before too that years ago when Trump said ah you know fake news. Um, and the media is the enemy of the people. I thought, well, that seems to be going a little too far. I don't think it's going anywhere near as far as it needs to go at this point. And here's what he said about all the nonsense that's out there with the fake news. Russia would have never 
attacked Ukraine. Would have never done it. Putin and I get along fine. We get along very well. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. The fake news, which I would, if the fake news would become real and honest news, 90% of our problems in this country would be solved. They would be solved. So Russia would have never attacked. Israel would have never been attacked. The Ukraine situation is so horrible. The Israeli situation is so horrible. What's happened? And uh, we're going to get them solved. We're going to get them solved very fast. Well, the president always exaggerates, and I don't know if it's 90% of the problems that would be solved with a more honest media. And I'm pretty sure Putin probably would have tried some of his nonsense if Trump was in office. But his point is still valid from the standpoint that they mangle things on a regular basis. And Daniel Greenfield wrote about this in a blog called FloppingAces.net, which I think is interesting. Now, a week ago, and here's why I think it's interesting, because you have a pattern of stories that gets reported to the American people. The, um, the most recent example that I have would be the story that Julie Kelly told either last week or the week before that when it comes to the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot up in Michigan, which if you look into what really happened there, the FBI had essentially an entrapment operation that was going on. I know people don't want to like to believe stuff like that, but if you look at the evidence, that's exactly what happened. So in this particular case, Mr. Greenfield writes this. When three Arab, this goes to the, uh, the issue of the shooting that took place in the aftermath of the attack on Israel of Palestinian men in uh, Burlington, Vermont. So you, you might remember that it was hyped as the Islamic crime of the century. President Biden issued a statement saying that there is absolutely no place for violence or hate in America. Uh, the vice president bemoaned that far too many people live with the fear that they could be targeted and attacked based on their beliefs or who they are. You had three Muslim men. They were identified as Palestinian. Two of them were wearing um you know, the uh, the headwear and like many other people, they were the vice president, the president, the media. They were implying that the shooter was anti-Palestinian, that the motivation was to kill them because they were, you know, Palestinian, that he was pro-Israeli. Bernie Sanders said at the time the idea that three young men walking down the street get shot, perhaps because of no other reason that they're Palestinian is unspeakable. But I got to tell you, this is not a local phenomenon. This is happening all over the country. There's some fake news right there. It's not happening all over the country. You know who's getting shot all over the country? Black men by other black men. Okay, that that's the epidemic. There's no dispute whatsoever on that. So Senator Peter Welch, who's a Democrat, said, I'm heartbroken by yesterday's senseless shooting of three Palestinian-American students visiting Burlington. We do not tolerate hate or Islamophobia in Vermont. Sarah George, who is the state's attorney in Vermont. I do want to be clear that there is no question that this was a hateful act. Uh, Police Chief John Murad of Burlington said, in this charged moment, no one can look at this incident and not suspect that it may have been a hate-motivated crime. I think you could probably say if someone shoots and kills a few people, there's probably going to be a little hate that are going to be, or that's going to be involved there. But if you dig into this, because you had um, a rally at the University of Vermont affiliate of a group that is anti-Semitic called Students for Justice in Palestine, blame the shootings on Jews. They called them the shameless monsters who enabled this. They denounced it as a crime of unspeakable racist hatred, a crime born out of, here you go, ladies and gentlemen, you knew it was happening, out of white supremacy, out of a fascist genocidal malice, a crime born out of Zionism, they said. Here's the problem. Everything was based on lies. The American Arab Anti-Discrimination 
committee claimed that the man shouted and harassed the victims, then proceeded to shoot them. I remember that. I remember there being a claim that he shouted at them and then he shot them. And we all accept this as fact, even though when you dig in just a little bit, and here's the problem, and this is what Trump talks about, you would, it'd be one thing if you had CBS, New York Times, all these organizations looking at the, um, the situation and then backing off and saying, well, you know what, we've done a further investigation. And the truth of the matter is this, and here's what the truth of the matter is. You got three Muslim men coming back from a party on a Saturday night. James Eaton is the shooter. He's a local resident. He has got a ton of of history with local authorities, mental instability. He uh, comes out of this house on a residential street and without a word, there was no words, he fires four shots at the three men. He had been described as that hippie guy and a progressive and organic farmer who had posted a meme with a definition of America spelled with a K that called it the worst sense of the United States. For example, imperialism, corruption, and the global exportation of American culture. Gosh, he seems to be a Biden supporter, right? But you had all these people that jumped in, and he was immediately he's a Trump supporter. He's a Republican. He's someone who, um, you know, is anti-Israeli or, or, I'm sorry, anti-Palestinian. Well, in reality, he supported Hamas. So on December 6th, there was a news outlet that is known for breaking stories about local politics that tweeted that the notion, and here's what he had tweeted, Eaton had tweeted, the notion that Hamas is evil for defending their state from occupation is absurd. They are owed a state, pay up. He also wrote this. There was a ceasefire article, and he wrote in response to that, what if someone occupied your country? Wouldn't you fight them? So people knew that in Burlington City. They knew what this guy was about because he was on their radar. So you had media outlets that spread all the false claims. They never redacted. They never retracted. They never modified. There was a month at least of a push indicating and pushing the line that the shootings were in response to the campaign against Hamas. Nothing of the sort. And they still, some of these uh, organizations, NBC News, PBS, and others are still out there spreading things that simply aren't true because that's exactly what they do. They spread misinformation as much as they try to spread information. But again, you're not going to hear about this story anywhere else. You're not going to hear it corrected. I guess even I fall for these things in the mainstream media. The next time, have your radar up, though, on all of this stuff. Hey, here's a question. Why doesn't the mainstream media report that most of the mass shooters these days are trans? That's another one of those questions. I wonder why. Get more at 971talk.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. 